Good morning. It is May 12th. It is a warm morning on the way to a hot day in New York. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Accused subway strangler Daniel Penny surrendered to police this morning and is expected to be arraigned on charges of second-degree manslaughter for putting a chokehold on his fellow F-train passenger Jordan Neely and holding it there with Neely on the floor until Neely was dead. The border crisis gets and is also constituted by a four-column headline on the front of the Times, Pressure Rises Along the Border and in Washington. Once again, the paper devotes four full inside pages to the specter of the coming increase in migration, complete once again with the running the end of Title 42 page header. A federal judge in Virginia, appointed by the first George Bush, ruled yesterday that under the Supreme Court's decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association Incorporated versus Bruin last year, the federal government no longer has the power to prevent 18-year-olds from buying handguns. The Times' account of the case does not get into the particulars of the reasoning beyond pointing to the Bruin decision's requirement that any firearm regulations be consistent with our nation's history and tradition. Under this invitation for judges to take on the role of unqualified historians and project their own desires about gun law back onto the purported beliefs and habits of the founders, Judge Robert E. Payne declared that since membership in the colonial militias started at age 18, federal law could not put extra restrictions on 18, 19, or 20-year-olds' access to guns. This was a particularly noteworthy reading of the law and history because our contemporary free-fire zone of right-wing gun jurisprudence depends entirely on pretending that when the framers prefaced the Second Amendment with the clear contextual phrase, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, they were not locating the right to bear arms within the rights and obligations of militia service. Under this now-dominant theory, despite the plain text of the Constitution, the militia and its regulations have absolutely no bearing on what firearms laws the government may establish. The comma, after the phrase, a free state, is an impenetrable barrier that prevents the term well-regulated from allowing the government to impose any regulations. That's been the theory. Only now, it turns out, when the aim is to strike down gun regulations, the terms of militia service suddenly do matter. The judge further noted that even though in his concurrence on Bruin, Justice Samuel Alito had specifically said that age restrictions would not be affected by the decision, Alito hadn't actually done his homework as a historian, and therefore, that caveat didn't apply. Elsewhere in Supreme Court activity, the court extended its record of unanimously blocking prosecutors from convicting anyone of bribery or corruption, throwing out the convictions of two different Andrew Cuomo associates, one of whom had solicited his bribes, which he called Zidi, while serving in between appointments in Cuomo's administration as Cuomo's campaign chair. The instructions to the jury that even though he was technically not employed as a public servant at the time, they could consider a special relationship he had with the government, were deemed to be too broad with the danger of potentially capturing mere innocent lobbyists. With that settled, maybe the court can take a nice relaxing yacht cruise. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and support Indignity, and stay cool out there. We'll talk on Monday.